Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I am your host, Orion Williams. <laughs> and I'm here with your other host, Peter Willis. <laughs> yes! Uh, we are hosts of this show. This is a podcast where we talk Bible. Uh, you could call it a Bible study. You could call it a conversation. Uh, we are always happy to do this uh we're going through the book of romans here we are in episode 13 we are in chapter 13 of the book of romans i want to tell you where you can reach out to us if you are so inclined you can hit us up at podcast at morethanhearers.com through the email route if you want to facebook uh you know like and share some of the stuff we do or, or whatever just uh, make a comment uh we're on facebook.com slash morethanhearers and we're on Twitter too. Uh, you can find me at Orion Plays Music, and Peter is at MTH, like more than hearers. MTH underscore Peter. Peter, how are you this day? I'm fantastic, Orion. I'm excited about Romans 13, but I wanted to add something uh, in the intro. Maybe it doesn't need to be said, but uh, say you stumbled across us at morethanhearers.com, and that's where you've been listening, which is it's fine. By all means, do it. But understand that. Uh, we can also be found via, if you're on an iPhone, the Apple Podcast app works for that. Um, Google Play Music, uh, we're available there as a podcast. All these search more than yours. And if you use some other weird podcast, not weird, if you use some other use what you use what external podcast service like Podbay or one of those, we should be able to be found on there as well. The one I meant to ask you about, Orion, excuse me, did we ever make it onto Spotify? No, they wanted money. Like not, they didn't want money, but whoever wanted us on Spotify, like in exchange for money, and we're like, uh, no. So no. Do you realize that's the first mention of money, on the More Than Hears podcast? And now uh, we're gonna do a sermon on tithing. No, no, not at all. No. Um, we've had a couple of people ask us actually, um, people who know us personally, like, are you guys making money off of this? That's not the goal. We don't have a uh, PayPal set up where you can donate to or anything else. That may come down the road if if need be. But really, Orion and I have been friends for several years, and we'd love to get together and talk Bible. And we have other friends who've sat in on Bible studies we've taught or given or whatever. And, and this was kind of born out of that sort of encouragement. And more than anything else, I can speak for myself, and I think I speak for Orion. Of we love to get together, sit down with a couple of microphones, and just hash out the Word of God. Of what does it mean? And we'd love you guys to come along on the journey. So thanks for listening. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Romans chapter thirteen. Romans is shifting gears. It's going to get almost into more of a, a Proverbs type feel, where Paul's done this dissertation or this defense on the Christian faith of. From the foundation, what does it mean? Who is God? Who are we? How do we reconcile to God? And now that we're reconciled to God, what does that look like and what does life look like? And he's, he's covered all of that. And now he's getting into some finer points of how then should we live? And contextually, I think it's important for us to understand what was life like for the church in Rome at the time that they received this letter? Not not so that, not to diminish your experience or my experience or what each of us is living in, but so that we understand the context in which it's written so we can better understand how it applies to our lives. This is a persecuted church. Um, Rome has set itself against Christians. Um, it's 
at some point shortly after this letter is written, the emperor Nero declares all-out war on Christians, kills them in, in every way imaginable, in some of the most heinous ways ever devised to put people to death in history. How then do we live in light of that? And it opens, chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Wait, what? <laughs> They're lighting us on fire. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Amen. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Come back next week for episode. No, I'm just kidding. This is truth. Do you guys understand? In 2018, as we sit here and we record this episode, and, and for us, we're in the United States, and if you're listening and you're not in the United States, maybe this sits differently for you. I can't pretend to understand your reality, but we go, oh, our government's so set against Christianity. They, you know, abortion's legal, and this is legal, and that thing's okay, and this thing's okay, and they're not lighting us on fire. It's just the truth of it. That's not to diminish your experience. It's not to diminish what you're facing. But a lot of people want to go, oh, we don't have to do what the government says because they're not following after God. Right. The government in Rome, not only were they not following after God, they were seeking to put followers of God to death. Paul says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Church, audience, whatever you want to call yourselves, if you're listening to me, in the event that the government declares that you would need to violate the law of God, by all means, rebel. By all means, God is the well, ultimate authority. I got to hold you accountable to what you just said there. I know. You just said, by all means. Ooh. Sorry. I know it's a colloquial It, state, it was a you know, figure of speech. Yeah. Yeah. But, but no, you don't mean By that. reasonable means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay. that has power. Impact. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for clarifying, though, because sure. some people are listening to my words closer than I'm words mean speaking things, them. right? They absolutely right. do. It, it, it's not that. It's a if they want you to pay your taxes and you don't think it's fair, pay your dumb taxes, fair or not. Turns out it is fair because they said so. If <laughs> you know what's not fair, lighting you on fire. Also not fair. Oh, sure. It's not the same as paying taxes, although it may feel that way to you. I, I'm not trying to question your reality. It's just, they're not the same. Never mind. <laughs> Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. But I didn't vote for them, Orion. Um, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I didn't vote for these people. I shouldn't have to do what they say. Not my authorities. Yeah, right? <laughs> we should have t-shirts made. No, guys, I I cannot. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I cannot make the Bible say something that it does not say. And at the same time, I cannot pretend that it doesn't say something that it does. And this is what it says. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, verse 2, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. I hope you're hearing this. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? 
Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also, hear me, as a matter of conscience. Doesn't this just make it sound like lighting Christians on fire was because those people must have done something wrong? According you to could that? certainly try to take it that way. Well, I'm I'm just trying to figure out what to do. Because he's really clear here that the whole purpose of an authority, the purpose of a government, and if we we're speaking in the context of uh, a righteous government, right? A righteous authority, then certainly... But this, this seems to be even speaking about a righteous authority that it exists to punish the wrongdoer and to commend or uphold the, uh, the rightdoer, the righteous. How do I... Because like, first thing we did was go into the context here. Am I still supposed to keep that in that context? It's a hard thing to do. I, I don't have a good... <laughs> answer because I wasn't ready for the question. And even if I was, I don't know that there's a good answer here. I think um, this whole piece of uh, rulers hold no terror for those who do what's right. If we're following the laws of the land, there should be no fear of punishment from authorities. If you're not breaking any rules, what happens in a situation like the Roman church was living in, where one of the rules is, do not be a Christian. Mm-hmm. you got to break the rules. I, I don't know what that looks like because I haven't lived it. The question that comes to mind is, does that then mean we shouldn't stand on the street corner and go, I'm a Christian? Well, it's going to get you killed. So am I here to say that then you should be quiet about being a Christian? can't say that you could argue that we have more impact alive but i don't know that that's even true i have heard it said that martyrs save no souls uh, if you're dead it's kind of hard to teach no, people underst- about the truth of i Christ. understood the reasoning <laughs> I know you did, but just in case somebody didn't um this is a hard teaching who can accept it that's not in here unfortunately <laughs> that's back in john six um This is difficult stuff to wrestle with, and I can't because it's never been my reality. I cannot put myself in the position of the Roman church when they received this letter. It's been so good up till now, and then Paul goes, Obey the authorities set above you in the government, for God's put them there. Do what's right in their eyes so that you'll be commended. And they're going, I don't want to, how do I do that? How do I maintain my faith? Chapter 11, how do I maintain my zeal for God in light of a place where it's illegal to be zealous for God? I don't have an answer. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, what's the word? Speculate. Thank you. I don't like doing it much in in terms of Bible stuff, but uh, sometimes a thought experiment can help. So what if there was a sort of like... 
Christians who were revolting in a violent way or in a, in a way that was not righteous, uh, maybe not even violent, but like they were, uh, you know, they're taking it too far or whatever. And, and those were, I'm not saying that, that there's never been a perfect government. All right. I mean, I mean, I, that, that, if you go back far enough, the, uh, where God instituted the law and, and he was the king, he was the ruler. And there were just some judges. Uh, right. That would have been, you could call that a perfect, a perfect government except that there were still people in there. And so uh, they mess it up. We always mess it up yeah. every time. But, but anyway, it's, you know, any man-run government, even though the authority is instituted by God, uh, it's going to be flawed. So I think, okay, I'm not, and I'm not trying to justify anything, but I think occasionally innocent people will be condemned. It should never happen. Uh, and guilty people will go free. But... I just wonder if this may be applied to, uh, you know, a certain type of, uh, you know, Christians that just, I guess, were, were like, ah, shove it in your face. You know, we're, we're Christians and we're not going to take it anymore or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have, we don't know that that was going on at the time, but it's reasonable to anticipate that it probably did. Um, there's been that historically time and time and time and time again of either Christians or Jews or whatever um, religion of choice has rebelled violently against authority. We love our rights, don't we? I mean, Absolutely. We, yeah, so we will fight for our rights. And, and I think the previous chapter uh, had something about revenge and not taking it and maybe, you know, not basically not fighting. Maybe not fighting for your rights is actually... Uh, what we're supposed to do. <laughs> uh, the Apostle Peter actually says, I think it's in First Peter, but it might be in Second. People I'm are going to come against me for that. I'm not sure. No, no, no. no, no. Um, he says, as much as it's within your power, as much as it's up as it to depends you, on you, live as free men. Oh, that one. By all means, live like you're free as much as you can. But in the event that um, you know, you've got to submit, submit but not in such a way that it compromises your relationship with God. Sure. But if you can survive in a an environment that's against God and continue to advance the kingdom, by all means do what you can to do that without denying God in the process. Right. I think that's that's a great way to leave it it might be a little safe yeah easier said than done yeah maybe but we're, we're not making any judgments on that it's just that you know that's what it seems to be the right answer there's there's plenty of martyr stories out there historically and even in modern days and there's a martyr there's one of my favorites a guy named polycarp and i won't go into his whole story but he lived a long time um keeping his head down and just doing the work of god until they finally rounded him up and um, he refused to deny God. There were plenty of people who denied God in order to avoid the sword or the flame or whatever it might be, and then went back to doing the work of God anyway. I, I'm not willing to test God that way personally. Um, my prayer is that I don't ever have to face it, to be honest with you. Sure. I've said it a few times now. This, I have a hard time giving opinion on this because it's never been my reality. I can tell you what I think I would do, but I'd prefer to not have to find out. That's that's me. That's truth. There we go. Um, and uh, the, so that, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, just verse 5 again, not only because of possible punishment, but as also as a matter of conscience. 
And that's the piece, our, our, that, that idea of conscience of we are accountable to something more than just the authorities God has instituted above us. We're accountable to God. And our behavior, whether it's obvious to the authorities or people around us or not, um, we have a responsibility to something more. And how we behave and how we act, even when people don't see, matters. That's where that conscience piece comes in. Imagine, if you would, the uh, the response of a government that would, was literally butchering Christian believers. Um coming across one of these writings and in the midst of this time finding that one of the most powerful leaders of the Christian faith at the time telling everyone uh, submit to the authority because it's from God like what like they'd be like reading going I don't understand <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he doesn't want to, to lead a revolt I mean, if they if they round you up to burn you at the stake don't come at them with a sword just go we saw that with the martyrs time and time and time again. Uh, mm, yeah. This is uncomfortable. Can we move on? Yeah, so uh, verse 6 gets way better. This is also why you pay taxes. Yeah. Oh, shoot. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Wow. Why is this stuff in here? It's not even just money that we're supposed to give, like, but also, you know, I tell you, this is, I like to overshare. Um, Please. uh, If you go to a a court and I think different, uh, different governments, different countries, I think have different words for what they call a judge, but in in the U S we call them a judge. You go for a judge in front of a judge for anything. Any legal matter, you go in before a judge. Sometimes a jury, hopefully not, but uh, but you know, parking ticket or whatever it is, or speeding ticket, even something like that. You're going before the judge, and everyone says your honor. And I'm like, what this guy do? Like he went to some law school or whatever. Like what? Why is this guy better than anybody else in here? And I have this terrible attitude. I'm gonna call him your honor, like. I don't even barely want to call him sir or whatever. Not because I dislike him or anything, but what makes him so hot? And then this is like even saying like... Oh, Ryan, he's pretty hot. He's not like <laughs> not like attractive hot, but like important hot. Sorry. Came out weird. <laughs> not at all. I don't think anyone thought that. No, no. But uh, yeah, no. See, so in this case, uh, I'm supposed to give up more than that fine for speeding, but also... Some honor, some, some respect. Honor. I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't come here to give respect. I didn't even want to give the money. Uh, anyway, there. No, I uh, I got a ticket last year, earlier this year. I don't remember. Um, I bought this car from some person off of Craigslist. More than here is legal advice segment. No, not le- no legal <laughs> advice at all. Please don't. Um, and this is uh, we live in California, and. Um, I bought this car from this guy, and his car had vanity plates on it, personalized plates. They said, like, cool car or something. I don't know what they actually, I don't remember. But in California, if personalized plates, uh, you get the right to retain them. I have lived in other states in the country. In some other states, the plate follows the vehicle, which is typical in California. And in other states, the plate follows the owner of the vehicle. 
In the case in California of personalized plates or vanity plates, they follow the owner, not the vehicle. So the guy retained the plates. So I got the car with no plates. A lot of other states have temporary license plate you put in the window when you buy a car. California is not one of those. You just get a little piece of paper you tape in the corner of the window. Well, I didn't have either of that. I just bought the car. Well, I didn't immediately run off to the DMV to get it registered and transferred into my name and get plates. Mm. And so I got pulled over for driving with no plates. I got a ticket. This is known, in, at least in California, maybe in other states, as a fix-it ticket. You can, before your court date, fix the infraction and get the charges dropped. So I went and got plates and all of that, and I got it all signed off by a police officer. And I went to the courthouse and said, I fixed it. And they said, cool, uh, there's two charges on there. That would be $25 each, $50. That, that, that doesn't sound like dropped charges. That sounds like a fine still, even though I corrected what I'm being fined for. But it says here... Um, not only if you owe taxes, pay taxes. It says if revenue, then revenue. When I lived in Colorado, I don't know if it's still the case because I've been in Colorado in 20 years. But when I lived in Colorado, in California, if you get a driver's license, it comes from the Department of Motor Vehicles. In Colorado, a driver's license is literally issued by the Department of Revenue. Whoa. Which I thought was at least honest. Sure. <laughs> Every state should really just call it that. But then at the same time, that's garbage. You're making me pay for something just so that you can obtain revenue. What does Romans 13 say? Mm. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If your honor, <laughs> Orion, mm. then your honor. Yes, sir. But you know what? Some of this not wanting to, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm hurting my own feelings. It comes from pride. There's no place for pride in the service of God. There's no place for pride in that. Of If God's elevated somebody, let them be elevated, whether we think they're worthy of it or not. I would add that there's not even room for the appearance of pride and that i think i mean that can justify things a number of ways but if what you if how you come across even if you're like defending the little guy but it comes across as uh pride then you you did it wrong because we shouldn't even be looking proud yeah so err on the side of humility and a great example of this is christ He's before Pilate, and Pilate, who's just a governor, really. I mean, who's he compared to the son of the king of the old everything, right? The son of God. Pilate goes, do you know, you know, like, I have the authority, this, that, and the other thing. And Jesus goes, authority's given by God. And a lot of it, he just doesn't say anything. He could have gone, I'm king of the world. Let me out of here. Do you have any idea who I am? Uh, he didn't fix that. I could unmake you. I brought you into this oh, world. Absolutely. I can take you out. But he doesn't. And we, and we honestly, I think we like those stories where, like, uh, the idea of, uh, oh yeah, he's just laying into him now. You know, the Let end of the book. Of, the end of book of Job. Were you there when I put the heavens in their place? Sure. Were you the? Who are you to question me? We love that God. Um, but when he came down to earth as a man. He stepped out of eternity into time. He stepped out of perfection into the worst imperfection. But maintained his perfection. Ugh. Amazing. Yeah, that's 
That's a good uh, inspiration there. We should yeah. look to that. It's a good All standard. Right. So pay your taxes. Uh, it gets better. Not really. <laughs> Verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. All right, let's move on. <laughs> this let no debt remain outstanding is hard. It's hard, except for our debt to love one another. The commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do you want to know what it takes to be like God? To follow after God? Elsewhere in the word of God, it says God is love. The commandments can be summed up in this. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if we take it in the context of even Romans 11, love your neighbor more than yourself. That's really what we're called to. It's so big. Um, I, yeah, I, I, there's so much I want to say, but I feel like it'll just be a lot of extra words. I think on the surface of it, it speaks so well to it for itself and anything I'm going to add to it is just going to be trying to fluff it up, fluff it up. But in, in doing that, it'll diminish it. Right. Love people. What were you going to say, Orion? You had something. Yeah. Um, some of these verses are trigger verses for me. Okay. In this case... Like Seventh Day Adventist, yep. Uh, the whole thing—it's probably best. I, I I could probably let it go. It's just like this is a trigger verse for me because Adventists say uh, that you've got to, you know, all the ten, and they literally they put the Ten Commandments up on the front of the church, and there's uh, uh, sometimes they just put one up, but uh, but they put them there, and then the fourth is always. More important than the rest. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy? Okay. Yeah, they literally, because Ellen G. White, their prophetess, uh, had a vision, seeing the Ten Commandments laid before her, and the fourth one shone brighter than the rest. I'm not lying. Brighter than love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right. Okay, I'm with you. Go ahead. So, um, this whole, the, the thing about the Ten Commandments and that they're important. Well, apart from Seventh-day Adventist Church, many Christians think that the Ten Commandments are our foundation for law. To, to me, like that, that phrase, again, I say it's a trigger verse, but that phrase, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law, answers all the question of what's the most important commandment. Are the Ten Commandments still valid? Uh, you know, it, it answers... This is the, one of the biggest theological statements in the Bible. And what's crazy is, is this isn't even the first time in the New Testament it's come up. So Jesus gets questioned about this very thing. What is the most important command? And he goes, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments in the law are founded in these things. I'm totally paraphrasing. It's not exactly what he said, but that's basically what he said. This is what's central to being a Jew, a Christian, a follower of God. 
love God. And if, I, hate, I hate to make it this simple, but it is this simple. If you love God, you cannot help but love others. Because the truth is, God loves everybody. So if you can love God and you can love others, the rest of it comes. Whatever it might be. It doesn't matter when you worship, where you worship, how you worship. It's that you worship God. And it should be, as believers, a lifestyle 365 days of the year, not just on Sunday or Saturday or wherever day you see fit. Are you living a life of worship? Last episode, chapter 11, offer your bodies as living... Oh, chapter 12, I'm sorry. I have to Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your true act of worship. This is it. Surrender yourself to God. Quit worrying about calendars, which really we kind of came up with. I mean, God created the seven-day piece, but what month is it and what day is it and all of that? Come on. Who is God? Who is God to you? And what what responsibility does that require of you? Part of the problem, part of the reason Jesus had to come is because Israel had gotten so focused on the law that they missed the whole reason for the law was to draw us back to God. They were so focused with following the rule that they missed the rule giver. This is all church cliche stuff that gets said, but it's truth, people. You've got to hear this. Of We want, even as Christians, this set of things. Uh, do we or do we not go see rated R movies? Do women or do they not wear makeup? Should they have their hair down? Should they have it up? Can you wear a hat in church? Can you not wear a hat in church? Should you go to the early service or the late service? Do you raise your hands in worship? Do you not? Do you clap? Do you not? Oh my gosh, do you love God? Do you love God? What does he require of you? And then understand, and Paul's going to come to it in the next episode in chapter 14. If God requires something different of you than another person, don't look down on them and don't let them look down on you. Mm. Do what God requires of you. Sorry. Um, You're not supposed to stick up for yourself. So they're not supposed to look down on you, but you're not supposed to apparently stick up for yourself either. No, I... (laughs) We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. Chapter 14 is one of my favorite I book, love it, too. I love it whole Bible, so yeah. much. It's so, uh, yeah. Well, oh man, chapter 14. I've had 14. many fights based on chapter 14, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, if you take it out of context, is in Romans chapter 14. It's still really good in context, but I love taking it out of context for fun. Anyway, that being said... Um, are we okay to move forward, Ryan? Did we answer this sufficiently, or is there more you want to say? No, it's, I'm fine. Okay. I'm good. So, love does no harm to a neighbor. Neighbor, Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I want to say this. Um, This has been uh, something I've been wrestling with um, in my teaching and in my study and in my personal walk. 
Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, and there's a piece of us in church that goes, yeah, 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 God's coming. Jesus is coming back. It's, it's nearer now than it's ever been, and that's absolutely true. And one of the things I think that holds us as individual Christians back and holds the church today in 2018 back is we have lost a sense of urgency. There is a sense of urgency in the writings of the early church, in the writings of the church fathers, Paul, Peter, John, all of them, the writings in Acts. We see a Jesus is coming back. And we've been saying it for 2,000 years. Jesus is coming back. And we've almost taken this attitude, not outwardly, but in our actions of, yeah, yeah, he's coming. He'll get here. Just be patient. It's, don't be in such a big hurry. But church, we need to be in a hurry. There is an urgency whether he comes back tomorrow or he waits another 2,000 years. There is a lost and dying world outside your door that God came to save. And we have work to do because he's coming. And Paul writes this to a church that's in persecution, that's struggling and all of that. And he goes, Understanding the present time, the hour's already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It's nearly over, the night is. The day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We live a half we. Not calling anybody out other than myself, but the fact is, is it applies more than to just me. And so that's why I say we. We live a half-baked Christianity. We live a half-baked faith because if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't believe that he's coming back that quickly. Uh, I agree. I, I, I don't wake up every day thinking today could be the day. Better make the right decisions accordingly. I don't live that way. But it could be. And my theology accounts for that he could. But there's a separation some somewhere between my theology and my behavior. How do we, and I don't know that either you or I are going to solve this don't in one episode. Them. How do we get our theology to match our lifestyle? <laughs> Yeah, that's dead air. Dead air is not good for a podcast. I don't know if you knew that or not, but they can fast forward. Uh, no, <laughs> I think it's worth putting there. This is working out your salvation. This is why we need oh, back to back to episode twelve again. This is why we need the renewing of our minds, people. We are a mess. I am a mess. Everywhere my theology does not meet my lifestyle is an issue that God and I need to sort out. And, oh, that's scary for me. That's scary for me because that means I have work to do. Oh, yeah, we have much work to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't like doing work. It's uncomfortable. But do I want to seek after God? Do I want to be a person of God? Do I want to be more than just a rule follower? Do I want to be a Christ follower? Do I want to follow after a God who is madly in love with me and has been pursuing me to the point of death? The answer is yes. I better learn how to make my theology match my lifestyle soon. Because uh, the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. Verse 13, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Oh man, 
I can go, oh, I don't carouse, I'm not a drunk, I'm not living sexually immoral, I'm not debauchery, but then dissension and jealousy. Oh, church, I'm struggling tonight. Oh, I don't... Ooh. Rather, close your, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Please understand that part of gratifying the desires of the flesh isn't just drunkenness and sexual immorality. It's things like jealousy. That comes out of flesh. Dissension comes out of our flesh. We are called to live differently especially in light of the persecuted church, especially in light of a society that continues to set itself against God. We must be different. I must be different. I can confess I'm not there today, but I want to be more like Jesus, and so it requires action from me. Hopefully by the next episode, I'm different. All right. That's the goal. Tune in then. I can't wait for Romans 14.